So we're going to be in 2 Corinthians today, but let's start by praying. That'll be good for me, I think. Yeah, Lord Jesus, we just want to thank you that you are present amongst us, that as we gather as your people, that you are here by your spirit and that you encounter us when we come into your presence. And I just want to pray that you would do that this morning, Lord, that as I speak, that it would be you that encounters your people this morning, that you would open ears and open hearts and that you would touch people's lives this morning in a really real way. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so if you want to turn to it in your Bible, you can. It's on the screen already. Hooray. Uh, 2 Corinthians 3, 17 to 18 says, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So I'm going to read that again in a sec, because I don't know about you, when I hear stuff when I'm in church, I'm like, scripture, it kind of goes in one ear and out the other ear. This is a really important thing to say, and it's quite bright, so I can't see you all. If you are inauthentic, and your question is, yes, wow, that was enthusiastic, and your question is, is there authentic today? There is. It's right here, right now. So, so don't go to sleep or be on your phones. I feel like I need to look at some of you to check. Because I will name and shame you if I see you on your phone while we're in our session right now. Because that, that will not be happening out the back. It's not happening in here either. Sorry, it's a rubbish authentic because there's no cake. So we normally have cake for authentic, but we forgot. So sorry about that. But anyway, you can listen anyway. Um, so let's read that again. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. So the first thing is, which you probably picked up last week if you were here, God's glory is the beauty that comes from his character. It's one, of those, it's one of those terms, isn't it? When I started to think about it, I was like, oh yeah, that we just chuck them around, the glory of God. But actually it's the beauty that comes, that emanates from his character. And as we encounter God's glory, we are transformed. We are changed. And I think the truth is that most of us would like to change in some way. I think that Hopefully, I'm not just speaking for myself. I think there's very few people who can say, I'm absolutely happy with who I am, with every aspect of who I am. Most of us would like to change in some way. And I'm not talking about outward appearance, because I think our culture often teaches us that if we can just change our outward appearance, then we'll be happy if we can just have the right clothes and the right hair. All talking of hair, that was a very stressful part of my morning. I was just figured that you can't really wear these headsets and have very much hair, which for most of the preachers here is fine because they don't have very much hair. I do. Anyway, that's outside of the point. But we, we get taught that if we can just get in shape, if we can just have a teeth is a new thing, if we can just have white enough teeth, if we can just look right, 
then we'll be happy. But this is not talking about that. This is talking about our character, because actually how we look on the outside doesn't make us happy. It's a lie. And the scripture is talking about our character, not that we will look more like God, but that we will be more like him in character. How we treat other people, how we parent, how we treat our parents, the way we are in our relationships, what our temper is like, how kind we are, and a bunch of other things, loads of them. The problem is with wanting to change in these areas is that it usually leads to striving. If you want to do any striving, there's plenty of books out there. You can just have a quick search on Amazon and you will find, and I'm not judging any of these books, by the way, if you happen to have read any of them, but Tony Robbins is going to help you unleash the power within, whatever that means. Um, Stephen Covey will help you to learn the seven habits of highly effective people. This is my favorite one. I never even heard of this guy. So Dr. Kevin Lehman promises, get this, that you can have a new teenager by Friday. That's the name of his book. And this is even better. The subheading is, oh, this is so disappointing because Maya's not here. She's not very well. But hopefully she'll listen to it. From mouthy and moody to respectful and responsible in five days. That's on the cover of his book. I mean, that's a miracle in itself, right? <laughs> Amazing, authentic people. I might just buy you that book, or for your parents. But the sad thing is that whilst the books promise these kind of changes, even if they help you to change in some areas, it's rarely lasting. It's rarely lasting transformation, which is what we really want, isn't it? And actually, what they do is involve lots of doing on our part, lots of striving on our part. You have to do all these things to be able to change. And sometimes I think we view the Bible like that. A good example is the fruits of the Spirit. So I'm, I'm genuinely hoping as I start saying this stuff that I'm not alone in it. But the list of the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. When I read those, sometimes I read it like this. I must try to be more patient. That is definitely mine. There's not enough of my family in here for that to be an issue, but it's definitely mine. We can read it like a to-do list. I must try to be more kind to myself, to others. I must try to be more gentle to other people. I must try to be more self-controlled. And here's a serious one. If you have or do battle addiction of any kind, then that one probably resonates with you. I must try to be more self-controlled. I must try to be more joyful. That's a weird one, isn't it? Like, social media puts that in our face all the time. Look at all these other people who are full of joy and having such a great time. I must try to be more joyful. 
And often we start the day with the best intentions. And then we beat ourselves up when we feel like we fail. I was going to be patient today, but it's only 8 a.m. and I've shouted at the kids already. Fail. I must, I, today, I was going to just be so kind to everyone at school and I was going to show them the face of Christ. And I got into tutor and I've already been horrible to someone because everyone else has been horrible to them. Lost my temper with my husband, wife, boyfriend, girlfriend. I didn't mean to. I was going to keep that in check today. I humiliated a friend, and it wasn't even intentional, but it just came out. I wasn't going to have a drink, but uh, I lost it with another driver. just lost my temper while I was driving my car. I must try harder tomorrow. But that's not what the scripture says. In fact, what we just read says something totally different. You know why? Because God's ways are not our ways. What does the scripture say? What must we do to be transformed? It says, contemplate the Lord's glory. So what does that mean? That's another one of those things we go, oh, yes, contemplate the Lord's glory. It means... Resting in God's presence and spending time thinking about all that he is. It means reading the word to learn about God's character. That is the book we need to read. To learn about God's character, what he is like. To meditate on who our God is, his character, his splendor, his majesty. Fixing our eyes on the glory of God and the beauty of his character. Because we have the privilege of being able to come into the presence of God. Jesus gave us that, right? There's not a barrier there anymore. We don't have to go through all the rituals and all the stuff that we read in the Old Testament. Because of Jesus, we can come into the very presence of God. And it's in his presence that we are transformed. We are transformed by being in his presence, not by doing. But sometimes we forget that. And so if you're a doer like me, I'm a doer. That's a tough one. And so we just finished a series on emotionally healthy spirituality. That's such a hard thing to say. Um, And if any of you did any of that, the hard, I thought the hardest bit was sitting quietly for two minutes. So I, there was a little book that came with it, a day-by-day one. Not everyone did that. Some people read the book, but I did that. And, and, and I have no problem reading that book every day. Twice a day, that's fine. And Clive said to me at the start, you won't have a problem with that. You'll get through the whole book. I won't. This is what Clive said. And he was right, by the way. He didn't. Um, but your problem will be sitting quietly for two minutes, thinking... I should be doing something. Because when it comes to striving, it's not only that things, te- uh, books and stuff tell us we should do this and we should do that. It's that. Sometimes it's in our nature. It's that we feel like we should do something to fix ourselves. But that's not what God says. 
God says, come into my presence and be with me, and you'll be transformed by being in my presence. And you know what? We're not just transformed. We're transformed into God's image. As we behold him, we become like him. As we see our God and observe him, we become like him. And, and that's true, isn't it? We, we become like who we spend time with. So that is definitely my, uh, uh, what's happened in my life. Clive and I have been together for over 20 years now. So I have definitely become more outgoing. Before I met Clive, I was very, very introverted. I, I mean, naturally, I still am. But I'm much better now. It has had damaging effects on my sense of humor, um, which, what, you, what can you do? You become like who you spend time with. So spending 20 years with Clive will have an effect on your sense of humor, for good or for bad. I'm not saying which it is. Um, and, you know, so we have a, a guy who teaches for us. He is 23, and he's trained with us since he was seven. So he's been with us most of his life. And I laugh inside when I watch him teach because he's literally um, equal parts Clive and me. <laughs> Bless him. I, I feel bad for him in those bits. But I watch him teach and I listen to the words he says. I look at his mannerisms, even his jokes. That's Clive. Um, but he's literally just us because he's spent far too much time with us. Um, and that is it. We become like who we spend time with. So my question for you this morning is, how much time do you spend with Jesus? Authentic people, I should have made you all sit together. How much time do you spend with Jesus? With all the other things that vie for our attention, how much of our day is spent resting in the presence of God? And I'm not saying you need to carve out massive chunks of your day to sit with Jesus. I know life is busy. And I don't, and I don't want it to sound like another thing. I'm a to-do list person. It's not a thing to add to your to-do list. But... How much of your day do you spend doing things that could be replaced? So often we talk about how busy we are. We always talk about how busy we are. We are busy. We run a business. But there's parts of my day I think, well, I pretty much I'll watch something on TV when I get home from teaching. Um, I'm a reader, so I read probably way more than I should. We, I tell you, here's another one, young people, attention. Um, we advertise on social media. So, I, so with all good intention, in my workday, I go on social media to work. But then some video pops up of like a dog in a hat or something. And I'm watching the dog in this hat in a video, which is not anything to do with my work. Um, and then another video pops up, and, and, then, and then I think, what am I doing? I'm watching a dog in a hat. This has nothing to do with what I'm supposed to be doing. But it sucks your time. And so what I'm trying to say is 
there's, you think, oh, I haven't got time to sit with Jesus. I'm, I am far too busy. I've got a job and kids and church stuff. And I bet there's somewhere that you could find some time. And it doesn't have to be a really long time, just time to stop in the day and be with Jesus. And even time to think about Jesus during your day as you're going about your day. Romans 12 says we are transformed by the renewing of our minds. How do we renew our minds? By choosing to focus on Jesus and spend time in his presence. As the disciples spent time with Jesus, they were changed. And the same is true of us. If we will spend time in his presence, we will be changed. And sometimes I don't think we, I don't think, we think about that, or I don't, I don't know that we believe it, that actually spending time in the presence of God will transform us. Lasting transformation. And you know what? We are God's people. And when we are transformed by the power of his spirit, then we glorify God. He's glorified by us spending time in his presence and being changed. And when we glorify God in every area of our life, God's kingdom becomes visible to the world. That's how we show the world God's kingdom is when we are transformed by his presence. So, homework time. What does it look like in the week ahead? It looks like choosing to spend time with Jesus carving out time. And it's a choice, isn't it? It's a choice to do that. Because if you say, you know what, I'll see how my day goes. And I'll, it's a bit like exercise. You go, I'll see how my day goes. I'll see if I've got time to fit that in somewhere. You definitely don't and you definitely won't. But if you make a choice at the start of the day to say, do you know what, there is nothing more important today than taking some time out to spend with Jesus. What could be a more valuable use of your time? And I'm genuinely not preaching to you guys. I'm literally preaching to myself. Because after we finished the Emotionally Healthy Spirituality course, I was like, I am doing this all the time, every day. This is so good for me. And then a few days later, I didn't because I got busy. And now I'm like, come on. It was, it's so valuable to spend time with Jesus. However, I'm not going to end today with homework. I don't want to be that teacher. No one likes that teacher, do they? I want to end today with an invitation. And it is an invitation to come into the presence of the living God. An invitation that is for everyone. Now, last week, um, Helen came up and gave an invitation for people to come and I did, and I was just sort of looking around. I was struck by how many people didn't. And she, did, she said that thing that we say, there's nothing special about the front. There isn't. Trust me, I'm here. There's nothing special about it. But there is something significant about getting out of your seat and making a move towards Jesus. So let's not downplay that. There is something about getting up and coming and moving towards Jesus. And that is the invitation today is to come. So firstly, if you have never made a commitment to Jesus, if you are not in a relationship with Jesus, come. That's the invitation today. Today is the day of salvation. 
Why would you wait? You get to come into a relationship with the living God. If you are new to faith, the invitation is come. If you are not new to faith and you've been a Christian your whole life, the invitation is to come. If you have been distracted by other areas of life and Jesus has been put on the back burner, the invitation is to come. If you are young, authentic people, if you are old, non-authentic people, and everything in between, the invitation is to come. For those of you that long to be transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, the invitation is to come. For those of you that want to long but you don't right now, the invitation is to come. So I'm, just before I finish, I'd love to invite the band back. Is that okay? I'm not sure if I'm allowed to do things like that. The invitation is to come into the presence of the living God. You know what? Yesterday, we watched the coronation of our new king in this country. And thousands of people gathered to celebrate and cheer on the new king. And you know what? Just as I was watching it, I just felt this tiny picture of heaven We, God's people, get to gather to worship the true king. One day, there'll be multitudes of people from every nation, every background, stood around worshipping the true king. But you know what? That starts right now. We are citizens of heaven. We get to do that right now. We don't even have to wait. And so all those people who gathered yesterday to worship the new king of the UK... Amazing. That is nothing compared to what we get to do. So when we get in a second to get out of our seats and come, the invitation is to come to the king of heaven, to come and worship, to come and taste a piece of heaven that one day we'll get to all stand together with millions of other people to worship the true king. So now is a good time to stand and come on, come Don't stay in your seat. Don't be someone that opts out. Come into the presence of God. Come into the aisles. Come to the front. It's not special up here, but come anyway.